And I'm actually going to be in Luke chapter 18, if you want to turn there. How many of you guys have old-fashioned Bibles, the ones with pages? Wow, that's more than I thought. That's awesome. Luke chapter 18. The rest of you, your phone, it'll take you like one tap. Like, boom, you're there. Don't even have to use the index. But um, I want to share today, the title of my message is Your Boldest Moments Are Your Best Moments. Your boldest moments are your best moments. Now, you guys know, because I've been up here a couple times, that my family camps. And we went on the spring break trip recently, and it was a lot of fun. Honestly, don't think we're doing it right, because it's a lot of work for moms when families go camping, right? But at any rate, um, we went, we spent this two-week road trip through America last summer, and it was incredible. We, we took the kids to Mount Rushmore. We did Yellowstone. We did the Grand Tetons. We did Rocky Mountain National Park, and we did it all in a tent, and it was exciting, and it built my faith a lot. <clears throat> and one night, we were lying in a tent, and we have cots because Listen, y'all, I'm 40 years old. My sleeping on the ground days are over, okay? I got, mama got to have a cot. And so we're sleeping on a cot, and I'm in my sleeping bag, all tucked in. It's pitch black. There are no street lamps in Yellowstone, y'all. It's dark. It's a not even a, it's a different kind of dark. It's like a, we don't even know what dark is until you get out there, right? And I'm laying in this sleeping bag. Everybody's ready to go to bed, and I feel something crawl across my leg. And it's on the inside, not the outside. It is pitch black. I scream. I jump up out of that bag. I grab a flashlight. I just start beating that bag top to bottom because I don't want it to crawl out. Whatever it is, it's got to die in there. It cannot come back into that tent. I am beating it. I'm beating it. I knew in that moment, church, I did not lay there and consider my options. It could be a moth. It could be a mouse. It could be, I don't care. No, in that moment, boldness was required. I got up. I start beating everything. I unzip the tent. It, of course, hangs up, right? Like, it's never going to zip easy. You're like, I start praying in tongues. I'm like, Lord, in the name, we got to get this thing up. So I shake that bag loose outside. I'm like, and that's your next bear. You know, you see what I just did in this bag? I'm coming for you next, right? Like, zip it back up, get in there. And my husband was no help. He was laughing too hard. My kids are laughing. I'm like, look, I don't know a lot about camping, but this is the rule I know. One body per bag. And there was one body too many in that moment. And only one of us was making it till morning, and I had a will to live. That was it. Not today, devil. Not today. So I get back in there, and I look at my husband, and I'm like, trade me sleeping bags, <laughs> you know? I think I killed it and shook it out. But just in case, this is why we're married. Give me your sleeping bag. <laughs> but in that moment, boldness was required. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you feel quickened in your spirit, and it's not a, hey, let's weigh our options, but there's an urgency in your spirit that's like, move, go, this way, that way, urgency. I love the verse in Isaiah. It says, whether you go to the right or to the left, there will be a voice in your ear saying, this is the way, walk in it. And it's just like that boldness that you need in that moment to know your next step. I'm not sitting there debating what this could possibly be. All I know is this thing and I are not supposed to cohabitate. So it's got to go. 
And in that moment, your boldest move is your best movement. Well, Jesus, in his wisdom, when he was ministering here on the earth, he saw every single person in this room in 2019. And he said, there are going to be times that require boldness. And I am going to tell them a story, a parable that is going to strengthen them, that is going to encourage them, and is going to show them how they need to be bold in certain moments so that they can lay hold of the things God has for them. And this is the story he told in Luke chapter 18. It's a parable. It says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I love that he says they should always pray and not give up. Not just when they really, really want it. Not when it's just for their family. Not when it's just for a healing. Not when it's just for a miracle. They should always pray and not give up. Which leads me to believe he knew there would be times when we didn't want to always pray and we wanted to give up. So he gets ahead of us in that. It says, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought about. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will he not bring about justice for his chosen ones? Will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When you and I find ourselves with our back up against a wall, where no human hand can move the needle for us in this area of our life, when we need a supernatural injection of love in a marriage that has dried up, when we need God to turn a child's heart because our tears are not working, when we need God to open a door, a financial door for us that we have not been able to open ourselves through our charisma and our resume and our contacts, when you and I need something that only the Holy Spirit can provide, when our back is up against the wall, he's like, look at this woman and look at her story and learn from her. And the two things we're going to unpack together today is this woman was bold and she kept coming back. She was bold and she kept coming back. And there are seasons in our lives that are going to require us to be the same. Bold and keep coming back. Bold and keep coming back. So let's unpack that together. Boldness. Now, I bet you guys have heard this before. Hell hath no fury like every married man in this room finished that quote. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Have you ever met a woman that won't get off your back? That's, I'm looking, not a single hand went up. The single man in the back waved his hand. You're leaving today single, brother. You're leaving single. I ran across this picture that I loved in nature, you know. Even in nature kind of mimics, you know, mankind in some way. It's like, I don't know much about birds, but I can easily identify the husband in this picture. (laughs) Right? I mean, we've all met people like this. We aren't these people, okay? But we've met people like this, you know? 
they nag, they, you just, they just won't let it go. If you are a parent, you have lived with someone like this. There's not a woman in this room that you haven't been at the checkout at Kroger, and your kid's like, hey, mom, hey, mom, can I have this candy bar, mom? Hey, mom, look at this, mom. Hey, mom, 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 mom. And I'm telling you, I have done it. I have bought the dollar candy bar because I can't take it anymore. It's like, what do you need? A dollar candy bar? Yes, my sanity is worth a dollar. You can have it. I'm a bad mom. I admit it. That's why I go to the Lord, right? It's just those, we all know what it's like to have someone come and come and come and come. But this woman, this, what keeps her coming back? It's like, gosh, at some point, it's got to be more than feelings that keep you coming back. Because honest to goodness, your feelings, I'll feel tired at some point. And it just ain't worth it. The juice isn't worth the squeeze, as my grandma would say. <laughs> Look, I'm tired of this. <laughs> the juice ain't worth the squeeze here. Or it's, golly, you know, your grit eventually runs out. Or your opinion isn't really that valuable. Your opinion isn't going to be what keeps coming you back and back and back and back. And I want to submit to you what keeps this woman in her boldness, what makes her bold, is that she knows the law. And she knows that the law works for her. She doesn't work for the law. And she says, you know what? I don't care, judge, that you don't fear God or you don't fear man. Your job is to interpret the law, and the law is on my side. And so I am going to come to you time after time after time until you give me justice. Now, that's bold. That's confidence. When you and I, we all approach the throne of God in prayer the same way. We all come to God the same way through Jesus Christ, his son. There is one mediator between God and man, and it is Christ our Lord. Old, young, Regardless of race, background, how long you've been walking with the Lord, we all get access to the throne the same way through Jesus Christ. But here's the difference. When you come before the throne and you say, Lord, I need you to move in this situation, there is no such thing as a bad prayer. But look at the difference when you know the law. Lord, I come before you right now. God, I come before you not on my own behalf, but on the behalf of the word of God that says that I can have this thing. God, you are bound to your word because you are not a man that you should lie. And so, God, you have told me that my feet will be shod with peace. So, God, as I go into that meeting tomorrow, I am walking in peace in Jesus' name. God, you have told me that you've never seen the righteous forsaken or the just begging for bread. So, God, my family has been righteous, and we will have our needs met according to your riches and glory. Father, I thank you that by your stripes I am healed. So, Father, the healing that I need in my body is not something I am asking for myself. It is something I am declaring that you said I could have in Jesus' name. Now, which we all come to the throne the same way. Which one do you think is going to encourage you to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And sometimes you need to hear yourself say the word of God over your situation. Sometimes it isn't for somebody else. It is for yourself. And sometimes you need to hear your ears, your flesh, your mind needs to hear the word of God. And know with confidence it is going forth in power. Amen? Man, Romans 8 says this. It says, 
Do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what God's perfect and pleasing will is. Here's the deal. You don't need cosmic breadcrumbs. I think this is God's will. I kind of, I was, I was funny. I was praying for something, and it rhymes with cow, and my kid just said, now, no. The word of God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You bathe it in the word. You put it in. You bathe it in the word. You bathe it in the word. You bathe it in the word. And then you are able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. You have a left leg and a right leg. The left leg is your mind. It helps you make decisions. It reasons. God uses your mind. He says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. He sets up a courtroom in heaven, okay? He is using the mind and the logic. He gave it to you for a purpose and a reason. And then he gives you the, the spirit. They do not compete against each other. They walk in cadence together. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't have a flesh mind. I have a renewed mind through the power of God's word. And then I'm able to test and approve what God's will is through the Holy Spirit. They work together. This is where people get crazy. You ever met anybody who only leans on one leg? Like the distance between their heart and their head is not 12 inches. It's like too, you know, much further. And they lean on just their understanding, and they fall off. And then you ever meet anybody who doesn't use their head and it's all emotion? Well, I kind of feel, I'm I'm feeling led to, and I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. That verse has a hinge. It's a door that swings on a hedge. Renew your mind and test through the Spirit. Then you'll be able to know his perfect and pleasing will. So that woman walks in, what keeps her coming back is a knowledge of the word. That is why at Celebration, our heart is to have a church that is Bible literate. We want you to know the word of God and to not just read books about the Bible, but read the word itself so that you have these arrows in your quiver so that when your situation calls for it, you can reach back and pull out something other than an opinion and a feeling And put it in your bow and let it loose and let it hit that target. That is our heart for you. Amen. And that is boldness. Because then I'm not coming at you with just how I think and feel. But I am coming with you and to you with the incorruptible word of God that cannot return void. That is why this woman has the courage she needs to come back. Time after time after time after time. And that judge, it doesn't matter what he thinks. It doesn't matter that he doesn't fear God. It doesn't matter that he doesn't care what people think about him. His job is to uphold the law. And that's her standing. I love, too, that Jesus says, look, I've got great news for you. Your heavenly father is not like this guy. He is empathetic to you. He is swift to respond to you. He is the only just judge. So you and I have a confidence so that when we come to God, he isn't like that judge the widow was petitioning. He is eager to respond to us. If us being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our heavenly father know how to give good gifts to us? And that's the confidence you and I walk in. That's our standing. That gives us a boldness. 
Now, on top of that, we pray bold, right? We aren't just bold, but we pray bold. And I talked about how we put the word of God in our prayers. But I love what Hebrews says. It's in Hebrews 4. I think it's Hebrews 4, 16. Boldly come, I love the word boldly, before the throne of grace, that you may obtain mercy and find grace in your time of need. The word boldly there in the Greek is what we use for freedom of speech. As Americans, we know that backwards and forwards, right? We don't have any fear that we are going to be like arrested by the thought police, that we can peaceably make our opinion known and we can boldly say it on any street corner in America. God says, I want you to have that same boldness with me. Come to me with your hurt. Come to me with your confusion. Come to me with your anger. Come to me with anything and everything you have. I'm the only one who can do anything about it. Come to me with it. You aren't going to surprise me. You're not going to stump me. You're not going to spook me. You're not going to do any of that. Come to me with it. Come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain, lay hold. Go get the grace and the mercy you need from the throne. Go lay hold of it. Do not get up off your knees until you have it. You go and you're like, no, this is for me. Nope, that, I need this one too. I'm meeting my mother-in-law later. I need two of those. Right? You go and you lay hold of what it is you need. That you may obtain help in your time of need. Help. Woo. Bothia is the word help. Now, I have seen this in real life. Bothia, the word there, is what the Roman soldiers, when they were in hand-to-hand combat, if they were feeling overwhelmed by their adversary, they're in a legion together. And if one of them is getting overwhelmed by his opponent, he would send a signal to his comrades that was a Bothia, It was a signal, it was a sound, and it meant, come to my aid. My adversary is going to have the upper hand. Come to my aid. Now, I've seen this in real life. I worked for a member of Congress, and we had town hall meetings, and it was during a very turbulent time. Well, it's always been turbulent, but, you know, it was dicey. And we had packed out a theater in downtown Conroe, And I had always, whenever I had a town hall meeting, I always had one police officer, just from a safety standpoint. If you've got a 1,000 people in the room, if somebody, you know, pulls a fire alarm, you just need law enforcement there to kind of help order and direct. Well, it started getting really rowdy. And this officer, I'm standing next to the member, this officer standing next to me, and this, this wave of people start coming for us. And I look at the officer, and the officer looks at me, And I see him talking to his shoulder. He had his, like, you know, walkie-talkie thing. You know how they wear them on their shoulder? I don't know what he said. He said maybe three words. I didn't even hear it. All of a sudden, I hear sirens. The city of Conroe shows up. The constable's office shows up. Texas DPS shows up. The sheriff of Montgomery County shows up. Because that officer said, Bethia, whatever it is, I am about to be overwhelmed. Come to my aid. He sends this signal up, and his own officers come. City of Conroe comes, but then the other officers here, and they say, no, 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 we're coming too. We are not leaving one of ours behind. No, the adversary is not getting the upper hand on us. When Hebrews says, 
Boldly come before the throne of grace that you may obtain help in your time of need. Help in your time of need. When you hit your knees, a signal goes up to heaven. And Jesus Christ lasers in on your position, and he says she will not be overwhelmed by her adversary. She is not getting overwhelmed today. I am dispatching angels to her care. I am dispatching saints with a word of knowledge to encourage her. I am making the word alive in her so that she can know and understand my will in this situation. She will not be overcome today, Bothia. So when you and I boldly come before the throne of grace, we understand our position. We are praying the word of God in our situation. But more importantly than that, Romans 8 says this. When you don't even have the words to pray, the spirit with groans and intercessions prays on your behalf. He is hearing your bothia. So now all of a sudden, it isn't in, in a trench game. It's a warfare up in the heavenlies game. And help is coming down to your position. It says, Romans 8.34 says, Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God interceding for you. So you don't have to worry, oh man, I hope I'm praying God's will in this situation. First of all, his word is always his will. You have a problem when you want something that's contrary to the word of God. That's where you have a problem. But if you are praying the word, you are praying his will. And if you are both theme before the throne of grace and the spirit is interceding for you and with you and Jesus Christ himself is interceding for and with you, I've got great news. They only pray the will of God. <laughs> they only know the thoughts of God. And you don't have to worry. Your situation, they are making sure that you just don't have help in the time of need but you have the grace and the mercy you need with the help in the time of need. So that's how we're bold. Now, here's the other thing. We got to keep coming back. The widow just wasn't bold once. She kept coming back time after time after time. Now, it's really easy for me to stand up here on a Sunday morning and say, pray the word of God and pray bold, but I'm not in your trench. Everybody in this room is walking in something. Nobody here's got it better. We just all have it different. And we're walking through what we're walking through. And it's, it can sound kind of tinny for someone to say, well, just keep being bold. Well, no, that, I'll put that on a T-shirt and everything, and that's great. But I'm going to need something else in the interim. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to have something else to keep me coming back and back and back. And so how do we keep coming back? In Revelations 2.17, Jesus sees his church. He sees you and I. The whole book of Revelations is written to the church so we may know what is to come. Now, the pages in your Bible are probably still stuck together in Revelations, you know, because it's a kind of a scary book sometimes, right? But it doesn't have to be. It was written for our benefit. It's funny. I gave my son an adventure Bible for, I think it was last Easter or last Christmas, I can't remember. And he loves it because it's kind of like a comic book Bible and he's been reading through it. I'm like, what's your favorite part? He's like, the book of Revelations. I'm like, okay, great. I said, what part? He's like, oh my gosh, demons are getting slayed. Jesus is riding a horse. It's getting wild up in here, you know? And he said, and mom, I love it so much, I've been sharing it with my friends at school. 
Oh, you all clap. You didn't get the principal's call, right? I said, you are? He said, yeah, my friend doesn't know the Lord, and I've been telling him, look, man, you got to get right with Jesus. He's coming back on a horse with a sword. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, I love that you love Revelations. Let's t- spend some time in Romans. Like, let's go. Let's, let's, that's good. But I love that Jesus sees the church, and he says, hey, I know the fights you're going to be in before you're in them. The whole reason he told the parable, this is how you ought to pray and not give up. You are going to want to give up. You are going to need some instruction in how to keep praying. Let me get out ahead of you and just tell you, right now, you're going to be in this season. And then in Revelation, he speaks again to the church. And he says, to him who overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna. So overcometh, that word there in the Greek is nikeo. It sounds a lot like Nike. It's the same root. Nike was the god of the Romans who was for victory. And nikeo is the root of that, overcometh. So Jesus says, hey, for the guy who's overcoming. Now, overcoming is not winning. When you and I hear that, to him who overcometh, sometimes we don't feel like overcomers, right? We're like, Lord, mm-mm. <clears throat> every day this week's been a Monday, <laughs> you know. I don't feel much like an overcomer. I don't feel much like a winner. My circumstances are not looking very victorious. But Jesus says to him who keeps showing up, that's what overcoming means. To him who keeps showing up, to him who keeps maintaining his cause, that is who I give the hidden manna to. I know that you can't do what you need to do in your own strength. You are going to need supernatural nutrition to get you through this season and to get you through this fight. And in the Old Testament, manna would rain from heaven, and the children of Israel would go out and they would collect it every day. That was wonderful. It was there for everyone to partake. And I want to challenge you. There is manna in the word of God, and in prayer every day for you to partake. And let me tell you something else. The children of Israel could not hoard it. They could not go get two days' worth. It got wormy. They had to go out every day and get what they would need for the, that day. And then they'd have to go and get what they needed for the next day, and the next day, and the next day. So the lesson for you and I in that is you can't hoard God's sustenance. It is wonderful to come on Sunday, but you are going to need to read your word on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. If you are trying to solve Friday's problems with Sunday's word, you are going to probably end up frustrated. Kind of like eating one meal. If I did not eat again till next Sunday, nobody wants to be around me, right? Tonight at 5 o'clock, my husband's going to be in marriage counseling, right? You've got to sustain yourself. But that's how the Israelites, it fell. They collected it day after day after day. That's available to all of us. That's not what I'm talking about. This manna, Jesus says, is hidden manna. It's hidden. That means he imparts it to you and only to you. Because he sees the fight that you're in, and he knows the nourishment and the strength you need in the season that you are in. It is not laying on the ground for everybody else. But he's like, no, I see Sarah, and Sarah needs this word of knowledge. I see 
Todd, and Todd needs this verse of encouragement. I see Jane, and Jane needs to cross paths with this woman who is going to put a song in her spirit for the night. That's the hidden manna. Now, here's the deal with hidden manna. When I read that, I get really, really excited because Jesus is a very good shepherd. And we read in Psalm 23, you guys know this verse, backwards and forwards. You're going to go home and start praying scripture because the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your remembrance all the things you've ever read and taught. That's his ministry to you, to teach you all things and to bring to your remembrance the scriptures. So don't go home feeling stressed like you got to make some flashcards. Make some flashcards, but ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance the things you've read and made known. So the Holy Spirit is bringing to your remembrance this Psalm 23, and we all know it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, in my mind, that's what hidden manna should look like. It should look like this. (sighs) Green pastures, still water. There's some sheep over there. I have probably camped somewhere near this stream. No, probably not. There are no bear in this picture. So, but this is what hidden manna looks like. In our mind, we feel like when God says he's going to provide this for us, this is what it should look like. But now here's the reality for Sarah. My situations, when I'm walking through them, don't look anything like green pastures. And I'm sitting here wondering two things. One... Either I don't deserve green pastures, I've done something wrong, or the writer of Psalms is crazy, and God is not a God who leads us by and in green pastures. But as I was reading and dissecting this chapter in Psalm 23, there's an amazing biblical archaeologist named Ray Vanderland. He's with Focus on the Family, and he was doing a tour And he said, Psalm 23, the pasture land that the psalmist is writing about is actually the Negev area of Israel. And the Negev area of Israel actually looks like this. It's very rocky and it's very hilly. It is not green at all. And so when the psalmist is writing, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. These are the pastures he's referencing. Since Abraham, this is where herdsmen have grazed their sheep. And I'm thinking to myself, those Hebrew sheep are tough. They eat rocks. Like, that is incredible. American sheep are not like that, right? (laughs) Yeah, you live in the Middle East, you got to toughen up. But no. And he explained, he said, look, this area does not get a lot of rainfall. It gets this breeze that blows off the Mediterranean that's very humid. And at night, when the temperature drops... The water condenses in the air, and it collects along these rocks, and it drips down. And you can see these little tufts of grass growing up in the crags of those rocks. Can you see them? And that sheep is grazing mouthful by mouthful by mouthful. From a distance, those are not green pastures. But to the shepherd who is grazing those sheep... His sheep have what they need when they need it. Mouthful by mouthful by mouthful. Your God is a good shepherd. He makes you lie down in green pastures. Do not look 
across and over. Look down to find your manna. Look down to find your manna, one mouthful at a time. So I, I read that this, this rabbi, in referencing this chapter, he said, worry is trying to solve tomorrow's problems on today's grass. The sheep's job is not to find the grass. That's the shepherd's job. The sheep's job is to stay close to the shepherd. When you and I try to play shepherd, things are going to get weary fast. They are going to get burdensome fast. But if you and I will get as close as we can to the shepherd, we will know we can be bold and we can go back. We can be bold and we can go back. And we'll have the hidden manna we need in the moment that we need it. He will sustain you. He will. Let's stand together, church.